Today's date is January 1st, 2023. We are reading from the big book of AA, pages 11 to 12. Page 11 to Christ I Conceded, to and including paragraph 12, The Real Significance. Marietta will be our reader, followed by a 20-minute share by Denise B. from Ireland. Hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. Happy New Year. And Marietta, Recover Compulsive Overeater in Virginia. At page 11, top of the page, to Christ I Conceded the Certainty of a Great Man not too closely followed by those who claimed him. My moral teachings, most excellent for myself, I had adopted those parts which seemed convenient and not too difficult. The rest I discarded. The war which had been fought, the burnings and the chicanery that religious dispute had facilitated made me sick. I honestly doubted whether on balance the religion of mankind had done any good, judging from what I had seen in Europe. And since the power of God in human affairs was ne neglectable, the brotherhood of man, a grim jest. If there was a devil, he seemed the boss universe, and he certainly had me. But my friend sat before me, and he made the point-blank declaration that God had done for him what he could not do for himself. His hum human will had failed. Doctors had pronounced him incurable. Society was about to lock him up. Like myself, he had admitted complete defeat. Then he had, in fact, been raised from the dead, suddenly taken from the scrap heap to a level of life better than the best he had ever known. Had this power originated in him? Obviously, it had not. There had been no more power in him than there was in me at that minute, and, and this was none at all. That floored me. It began to look as though religious people were right after all. Here was something at work in a human heart which had done the impossible. My idea about miracles were drastically revised right then. Never mind the musty past. Here sat a miracle directly across the kitchen table. He shouted great tidings. I saw that my friend was much more than inwardly reorganized. He was on different footing. His, his roots grasped new soil. Despite the living example of my friend, there, was, there remained in me a vestige of old prejudice. The, old, the word God still aroused a certain empathy when the thought was expressed that there might be a great, might be God personal to me. This feeling was intensified. I didn't like the idea. I did go for the conception of creative intelligence, universal mind or spirit of nature, but I resisted the thought of a czar of the heavens, however loving his sway might be. I have since talked with scores of men who felt the same, same way. My friend suggested that what then seemed a novel idea. He said, why don't you choose your own conception of God? That statement hit me hard. It melted the icy intellectual mountain in whose shadow I had lived and shivered many years. I stood in the sunlight at last. I was, it was only a matter of being willing to believe in a power greater than myself. 
Nothing more was required of me to make my beginning. I saw that growth could start from that point upon the foundation of complete willingness. I might build what I saw in my friend. Would I have it? Of course I would. Thus, I was convinced. I was convinced that God is concerned with us humans when we want him enough. At long last, I saw, I felt, I believe. Scales of pride and prejudice fell from my eyes. A new world came into view. And thank you for letting me be a service. Okay, well, thank you Wait, so much. Do mm -hmm. you need to read one more paragraph? One more paragraph. Oh, okay. The real, the real significance of my experience in the cathedral burst upon me. For a brief moment, I had needed and wanted God, and there had been a humble willingness to have him with me, and he came. But soon the sense of his presence had been blotted out by world clamors and mostly those within myself. And so it has been ever since how blind I had been past. Thank you so much, Marietta. And now we will have a 20 minute share from Denise B from Ireland. And Denise, we look forward to hearing your share. Go ahead. Thank you very much. Hi, everyone. I'm Denise B, gratefully recovered compulsive overeater here in Ireland. It's uh, dark and, and getting dark here, but um, it's lovely to be with you all. It's, it's a fantastic place to be for the first day of the year. And thanks, Kim, for asking me to be of service. So, yeah, I love Bill's story. Um, you know, for me, I can identify completely with Bill's story just to qualify myself. You know, I'm in OA about just under 11 years. I have 10 years of abstinence and the road has been uh, one of amazing highs and a lot of lows. And still through it all, by the grace of God, I haven't had to compulsively eat or pick up an alcoholic food. And that is a miracle. I am that miracle that Bill talks about that sat opposite the uh, table from him, because if I had my way, I should be eating, especially on a day like today. At my lightest, I weighed less than seven stone and hadn't eaten for 28 days. I had only drank water. And at my heaviest, I was 350 pounds. I couldn't tie my own shoelaces. I couldn't get up the stairs. And that was the state I was in when I came into these rooms. So mine is an illness of extreme. It absolutely is an illness of extreme. And I just say that so that for anybody there and especially for the newcomers, I get it and I understand I am a chronic compulsive overeater and I will be to the day I go to the grave. I get a daily reprieve contingent on living in the principles of these 12 steps. So if I go through the, the pages, I'm just keeping an eye here on my time. Um. I love the way Bill starts, you know, to Christ, I conceded the certainty of a great man, not too closely followed by those who claimed him. But for myself, I had adopted those parts which seemed convenient and not too difficult. The rest I disregarded. So we already see here how much Bill is struggling with the religious idea. And when I came into the rooms, I had been raised Catholic. 
And really, at that point, I had turned my back on, on a lot of the, the religion that I had been raised in. I'm a scientist by background. Um, so, of course, that was a very easy get out clause for me to believe in something greater, but still to defend uh, anything that I didn't really want to take on board. And I, too, was very much where Bill was, you know, talking about the wars and if there was a God, you know, well, why is all this, you know, awful stuff happening in the world? And what I actually had to um, come to terms with was in recovery, the only thing I was asked to do from the very beginning was to keep an open mind. And when I look at myself in active addiction, I was running my life on self-will. And my life on self-will was not a nice life. I hurt people. I didn't show up for things. I was a liar, a cheat and a thief. You know, that's who I was on self-will. So when that was lovingly pointed out to me early on in recovery, that that is self-will and God's will or the higher power's will, whatever word you want to use as love, then I could very easily identify with the difference between that argument that I had about, well, you know, this world could be so much better if God did better. And it took me a long time, even in the years I've been in recovery, actually, to let go this notion that I had of a punishing God. I had a very punishing God in my corner. And the problem with that for me was when I took the steps, even though I had had a profound spiritual awakening first time, I also was very slow to go to God with everything because I thought that God was going to punish me or God wouldn't be in my corner or God would somehow judge me. I call my higher power God. That's why I'm using the word God. And over the years, I have had to learn that my conception of that God was not working for me. My God today is loving, kind, tolerant, patient, awesome in my corner, no matter what. No matter how much of an idiot I am, no matter how many times I fall down, I've got a God who goes, you know what, sweetheart? It's okay. You're human. We're going to try better tomorrow. We're going to do better tomorrow. We're even going to do better now. It's okay. And that, you know, wasn't a one and done. That's through me cultivating each and every day the relationship I have. And Bill goes through that transformation, actually. You start to see it here in these few pages. He said, my friend sat before me and he made the point blank declaration that God had done for him what he could not do for himself. His human will had failed. When I came into the rooms first, I really thought you guys were going to teach me how I could eat whatever I wanted and have no consequence and stop. That's what I thought. And then I sat in the rooms and people were talking about gods and higher powers and powerlessness. And I was, oh, my goodness. Then they all stood up and started hugging each other. Sure, I nearly went for the door. You know, I was like, what have I walked into? But something in me saw in them what I had never seen before. They were speaking my truth, but they were no longer doing what I was doing. They had recovered. I may not have been able to put the language to it then, but they had recovered. And when they smiled, they genuinely smiled. When they laughed, they genuinely laughed. I wasn't doing that. If you needed me to laugh, I'd laugh. If you needed me to be happy, I was happy. If you needed me to be sad, I was sad. I could be whatever you needed me to be, but I couldn't feel it. And that is what Bill is talking about here. You know, he's telling us about Ebby, who's come to see him, who's sitting opposite the table from him. 
And he says that like Ebby, he had admitted complete defeat. So we see that Bill has taken step one there. Like myself, he admitted complete defeat. But there is where the similarity between Bill and Ebby in this moment stops, because Bill goes on to tell us, then he had an effect being raised from the dead, suddenly taken from the scrap heap to a level of life better than the best he had ever known. Had this power originated in him, obviously it had not. There had been no more power in him than there was in me at the time. And that was none at all. And that was my truth. You know, I didn't want to come into the rooms of OA. I didn't want to admit I was a compulsive overeater, but I was totally and utterly beaten. There was nowhere else for me to go. I had tried everything else and I knew of my own power. There was nothing there. So step one came quite easy to me because I knew I was beaten. You know, I was being told at that stage, I was in my early 30s and I was being told I wouldn't even see 40. You know, my body was breaking down. I had hurt everybody I loved. You know, I was just in absolute on the floor in the gutter. So I had taken step one. I was completely and utterly defeated. And I knew that no power that I had myself was actually going to do this for me because I had tried. I had tried it all. You know, I am the most self-sufficient, self-reliant, self-willed person you could ever meet. You know, it goes hand in hand with me being an addict, but I still couldn't find enough of self to muster managing to get over this. I could get a few days here and there because self-will would run riot then. And then I was back to square one. And Bill talks about the fact that that floored me. It began to look as though the religious people were right after all. Here was something at work in a human heart which had done the impossible. Few lines down, here sat a miracle directly across the kitchen table. Now, again, I couldn't have put the words to that when I came into the rooms, but I did know that within the fellowship, there was something there that I wanted. And there was something there that was different to all the diet clubs and all the slimming clubs and all the gyms and all the health and fitness classes I had gone to. There was definitely miracles happening around there. And actually, at the end of one of the meetings, one of my very first meetings, they were like, you know, keep coming back, go to at least six meetings and don't leave before the miracle happens. And I thought to myself, oh, my goodness, the arrogance of these people that somehow I'm going to have a miracle, you know. But the reality is today I can tell you I've had many of them. I am one. I am a walking miracle. I should be dead. I should be, you know, if not dead, living in a corner, rocking, stuffing my face with food. And that's not my truth today. And I've had many other miracles. Oh, my goodness. Too numerous to mention. Some small, some big. You know, I don't believe in um, in coincidence anymore. Definitely, I don't believe in that. And then at the top of page 12, he was on a different footing. His roots had grasped a new soil. Again, he's talking about Ebby. You know, he could see the difference in Ebby. It wasn't even what Ebby was saying to him. He could see it. You know, he could absolutely see it. And our traditions even tell us that, you know, we are a program of attraction rather than promotion. You know, it's what the newcomer sees in us. It's how we live our lives today. It's how we practice these principles in all our affairs. And then those beautiful lines, despite the living example of my friend, there remained in me the vestiges of my old prejudice. And I can be that person on any given day. 
closed minded because that's what Bill is saying here. He was still closed minded to the idea that something could change, you know, and I can be so closed minded in so many parts of my life. And how do I know when I'm closed minded? Somebody is telling me something and the next thing I hear come out of my mouth. Yeah, but well, but maybe but then I'm totally in closed mindedness. And the interesting thing for me that I've had to learn the really hard way in recovery is actually if I can remain open minded and ask God to help me be open minded, then I have the ability to live according to God's will. When I'm closed minded, I will shut myself off from everything, including you. So then Bill goes on to talk about, you know, his own perception from his past, from his experience you know, he wasn't sure there was a God. And then the famous words came. My friend suggested what then seemed a novel idea. He said, why don't you choose your own conception of God? So this is not about religion. This is about spirituality. This is about a personal relationship with the God of my understanding, with my higher power that I can choose to define. It doesn't have to be my sponsor's higher power. It doesn't have to be my God squad's higher power. It doesn't have to be my parents' higher power. It can be my higher power and I can choose it. And then you see Bill switch from the closed-minded state to the open-minded state. It melted the icy intellectual mountain in whose shadow I had lived and shivered many years. I stood in the sunlight at last. It was only a matter of being willing to believe in a power greater than myself. Nothing more was required of me to make a beginning. I saw that growth could start from that point upon a foundation of complete willingness. I might build what I saw in my friend. Would I have it? Of course I would. And here is where Bill takes step two. Step two only asks me to come to believe in a power greater than myself that will restore me to sanity. I don't have to define it. I don't have to explain it. I certainly don't have to understand it. I just have to believe in something bigger than myself. And the moment for me, and I've had to do that many times, actually, because I can still not believe that my God will help me in certain areas of my life. You know, it's very easy for me to turn over the food and the addiction because I was in chaos with that. But then I'll find myself in moments going, yeah, but my career is going kind of well. You know, maybe God, if you could kind of back back from that now a little bit, I think self-will myself, I might be doing an okay job. Of course, the biggest delusion ever, because any part of my life run on self-will is not going to work. So I have to come to believe that a power greater than myself can restore me to sanity in all areas of my life, because the insanity for me is not when I'm in active addiction. Actually, the insanity for me is when I'm here in recovery, thinking that I know best. It's when I'm here in recovery, thinking that my life is better when Denise is running the show or that somehow this time it will be different. You know, somehow, if I manage well, if I control well, this time it will be different. So all I'm being asked to do and all Bill did in that space was came to believe that a power greater than himself would restore him to sanity. Thus was I convinced that God is concerned with us humans when we want him enough. At long last, I saw, I felt, I believed. 
Scales of pride and prejudice fell from my eyes. A new world came into view. And, you know, I love those lines because that is my truth throughout my recovery with varying different times, ups and downs, challenges with relationships. You know, when I am concerned with God enough and I want God enough, I will feel God's presence. I will see it. I will feel it. I will believe it because the scales of pride and prejudice will fall from my eyes. And what's pride? It's my ego. I, I, I. If if you hear come out of my mouth a lot of eyes, then I'm an ego, you know, and, and it's the single biggest indicator for me that I'm running the show or I'm full of ego is if I hear myself saying I all the time. Usually my sponsor hears it from a lot quicker than I hear it in myself, I have to admit, or my God squad who are my fellows, my fellow sisters and brothers. And then the prejudice, what's that? Prejudgment. Again, my closed mindedness. You know, yeah, but, no, but, maybe, but, the minute I'm in the but, the prejudgment, I have to work hard at letting that go, you know, and a new world came into view. And for me, actually, when I took step two, that was the moment that real hope started to come for me when I came into the rooms, because I saw it firsthand. I saw that you were different. I saw that you had what I wanted, but I didn't really believe that it could happen for me. I really didn't believe it could happen for me. And I got told in the rooms when I started reading the big book and I got told out of the big book and and everything that I have experienced in recoveries from the big book, I got told that I only had to come to believe in a power greater than myself that would restore me to sanity. And that's when I started to feel the hope, the hope that this too could happen for me. You know, and I remember very early on in, in recovery, I remember, you know, on the phone, I'm not really a crier. So like when I start to get emotional, I tend to shut down. I'm like, oh, I'm fine. But anyway, this was one of those days. And I was on to my sponsor and I was like, you know, this can't happen to for me. And, you know, this is the end of the world. And it happens for all these people. And, and I remember my sponsor saying, right, sweetheart. He says, so it's happened for six, if seven million people in the world, but you think you're so special that it's not going to happen for you. And again, I was like, oh my goodness. But of course, my ego, whether it's negative or positive, my ego wants to tell me I'm different. And that's the ism of my disease, that I'm different to you. You know, I've got to, I've got to look for the similarities because when I'm in the eye, I am looking at being different. And then at the end of page 12, For a brief moment, I had needed and wanted God. There had been a humble willingness to have him with me, and he came. But soon the sense of his presence had been blotted out by worldly clamours, mostly those within myself. And so it had been ever since how blind I had been. And, And that is my truth even today. You know, I can get up in the morning and I can do my prayers and meditation and I can feel so connected to God. And then I walk out and sit into my car and turn on the engine. And within five minutes, worldly clamors all over the place. What have I got to do today? Oh, this person is driving too slow. This person's driving too fast. I didn't ring this person. I didn't ring that person. I've got a million things to do. Da, 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 da. And what do I have to do today? I have to readjust. I have to keep coming back to the God of my understanding. I have to keep bringing myself back into alignment with my God. And if I want to know how connected I am to God, I only need to look at how connected I am to you. Because my relationships with others 
are an awful lot better when my relationship with my higher power is right. You know, so it doesn't even have to be all esoteric spiritually out there. All I need to do is to see, am I looking at the rest of of the world and seeing the similarities rather than the differences and having compassion? Or am I looking with that judgment, that prejudgment? Because if I am, then I am not in alignment with my higher power. And that's a daily thing. It is a daily thing. You know, so many times during the day, I have to come back in myself and say, "Okay, God, you know, I'm here. Okay, God, I'm here. Okay, God, I'm here. It can be as simple as that. You know, I find the set aside prayer very, very helpful for those of you that know it, because it allows me to set aside everything I think I know again so that I don't have to judge. But, you know, it starts on a simple foundation of being willing, being open minded and being willing. And for me, step two is all about hope. If I can, you can too. And that's the most important thing. Because each day when one of us reaches out the hand to somebody else and helps them step up into recovery, then that's a good day. So thank you all for listening and I'll leave it there.